Well, hello there. It is great to see you again and welcome back to another installment of Lessons by the Lake, the Oswego Private Wealth Show. I am your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff, and we have the star of our show, Mr. Bob Bedritus, the managing director over at Oswego Private Wealth Management, joining us momentarily. Uh, look, if you're a newer you know, visitor or listener to our show, hey, welcome aboard. It's glad, you know, we're happy to have you. Each episode, Bob and I, we address a new wealth management related strategy, tips, solution, you name it. Uh, basically, these are the same conversations that Bob is having with his affluent clients over at Oswego Private Wealth, and we're bringing them right to you here through this show. Uh, today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to take a unique approach towards analyzing affluent families and, and a strategy in particular that they can utilize to make sure everybody's really on the same page when it comes to the wealth. Uh, but first and foremost, I kind of want to zoom out here and let's just take a look at affluent families in general. They've, they've got a lot of concerns facing them. And of course, the biggest among them is to, you know, make sure that they manage their wealth so that it achieves a few different things. We obviously want to continue to, you know, make sure they're growing the wealth. They want to make sure it's not uh, taken unjustly from any creditors. Uh, but of course, we want to make sure wealth gets transferred to younger generations. And then, of course, underneath of all of these things, we want the wealth to be able to achieve the kind of types of goals and outcomes that the family holds near and dear to them. And that's really what we're getting into with today's discussion. It's getting the whole family on the same page as to what matters most when it comes to the wealth. So that being said, let's go ahead and bring Mr. Bob Bedritus out to get today's conversation rocking and rolling. Bob, good to see you this morning. Welcome aboard. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you. No, good, good to have you back here for another discussion today. We are diving into a unique strategy that some affluent families can be utilizing these days. But Bob, let's start with kind of a high level overview question here today. In your experiences, what kind of unique challenges do you see arise when, when affluent families, those with wealth, tend to work together you know, to manage their assets or manage their wealth as a whole? We're always talking about money and financial services, and, and there's so much more to money. There are values and goals and legacy and so many things that matter so much to families. And I think one of the critical components, and this has been verified by my clients, is to not just transfer their wealth to their heirs, but transfer their values to their heirs. You, you know, Ryan, we're all dysfunctional carbon-based life forms in our own way. Every family is dysfunctional in its own way. And every family is also functional in their own ways. And so it is so critical uh, for those who have been blessed uh, with much wealth and the, you know, the great business owners and those with wealth that they want to transfer, again, not just their money, but they want to transfer their values onto the family. Sure, Roger that, Bob. Now, so let's dive into any you know specific wealth-related issues that you tend to see. Do you tend to see any specific issues uh, among families with significant assets that arise? Well, again, I, I will say that to who much is given, much is required, and and what happens with with families with significant wealth here, all the issues of life seem to be magnified because they can make such more of an impact both positively and negatively with that wealth. And again, I, you know, you bring that baby home from the hospital and you have these dreams and these goals and these aspirations for your young son and your son, young daughter. And then somehow, some way we survive those teenage years. <laughs> so we all somehow survive those teenage years. And then we want to launch our kids successfully into life and our grandkids too, for that matter. 
And ultimately, uh, none of us has a lease on life. Nobody lives forever. And there are things that we want to pass on, not just to the next generations, but for generations beyond. And again, that keeps a lot of my clients up at night, are grappling with those issues. Sure. So, so Bob, let me ask you this then. What can families do in your eyes to kind of create and then maintain more harmonious situations and attitudes and relationships when they're, when we're talking about wealth here and, and every making sure everybody's on the same page to, on what they want the wealth to achieve for the family? What, what is a strategy that they can be using these days? We recommend that families consider adopting something we call a family constitution. Uh, and a family constitution, and let me throw, let me actually throw that up there. A family constitution is is really just a document. It's not a formal document. It's not a it's not a legal document. It's formal in the sense that it gets written down on paper. But we look to bring in a facilitator, a professional facilitator, and someone who can really work through those family issues talk about the patriarch, the matriarch's goals, and the goals of all the family members, and then commit it to writing uh, so that it's clear. Um, I've always said that in the absence of information, everybody writes their own narrative. And so many times we see families that acquire the wealth, accum accumulate the money, and then ultimately everyone's written their own narrative in future generations on how that money was to be spent, what's important, where the values are. This formalizes the process, again, not legally, um, but it formalizes the process so it goes down on paper and everybody can see then what our, what our constitution looks like. So we've created a, a white paper, if you will, and it's we the family, the benefits of the family constitution and the key takeaways from that is one uh, to uh, prevent conflicts that can tear families apart down the road, uh, to pass on those family goals, objectives, values, and spell it out in a family constitution. And uh, again, we can use a facilitator to do that. And we think there's enormous value to creating a family constitution. Yeah, I, I love the idea of this strategy, just bringing everybody together, trying to make sure that everybody's outlooks on the wealth and what it can do for the family, not only family members, but the family name even. That's uh, It's really a powerful idea, a powerful strategy. You know, you had mentioned the idea of, of potentially working with the facilitator to go through that process. And, and I, Bob, for anybody that's in our audience that's, you know, hearing this conversation, they're probably thinking to themselves, yeah, this does make sense. I mean, it, it could really help. How would a family go about drafting this, this document? You mentioned it was a formal document. How, would, how should they get started and go about doing that? Well, it's, uh, it's uh, for our clients, the way that we do it, it's, uh, once once we get to that stage where the clients expressed an interest, and, and I do bring it up, and we say, hey, the, hey, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do something like this. Um, the first thing is is to is to call the herd, bring bring find a time when everyone can come together, and then simply uh, I help them position that how that meeting could run, should run. Uh, we agree upon that facilitator that we want to bring in. And then we simply, the family really can just look at it as a conversation and a time for where they can be transparent, open, 
discuss things. Uh, it can be very heartfelt uh, where they, again, I'll go to the patriarch, the matriarch can talk about their dreams, their wishes, their values, their goals. Um, obviously, this isn't a first time conversation because they've, they've spent their entire lives uh, trying to inculcate their, their values to their children and their grandchildren and, and beyond. And this, again, is just a process. It's fun, actually, to do. Uh, at times, it can be a little bit stressful because occasionally we have family members that are really, um, as they say, not in sync uh, with what's going on. But that's a good thing. That's a good thing that these things are brought out because the best time to have a negotiation, you will, this is not a negotiation, but to sit down and talk about the family constitution and those goals, those values, is at a time where everybody's healthy, happy, getting together. Um, it's even fun to do it on a vacation, although not everybody's idea of a great vacation could always be in, in our offices. Um, but it's just, a, it's good to do it sooner rather than later, now as opposed to when there's some difference of opinions and some inheritance on the line, and then it could get pretty, pretty messy. Um, I like to joke that uh, we're probably saving a significant amount of money in legal fees uh, 10, 20, 30 years down the road by having this conversation today. And if, yeah. you, if you think about, uh, again, as you, as you know, Ryan, so many of our clients, a majority of our clients are business owners, and they spend most of their lives planning and thinking and quarterly plans and annual plans and long-term visions. And they spend so much of their time trying to tear down those walls among functional lines of their company because they want everybody talking to one another. And just as the old proverb or adage of the, you know, the shoemaker's children don't have any shoes, um, the planning doesn't get done on the family level very often. And this is something that most of our business clients are so comfortable running meetings or being participating meetings and setting goals and, and giving the resources to the troops to take the next hill, if you will. And this is an opportunity to have a serious but fun meeting with the, with the children and potentially the grandchildren and talk about those things right now when everybody's getting along and everybody's happy and well in advance of those potential legal fees. I don't want to upset all the lawyers that listen to this, but again, we're probably going to get you fewer fees by, by this sure, process. So. Sure. Well, Bob, I, I, I do. Uh, there are a few things that you had mentioned there that stuck out to me. Uh, obviously, yes, this is something you want to do sooner rather than later. It is a, it is a preemptive strategy to help mitigate maybe legal fees, maybe just tougher conversations when inheritances are at play and things like that. I, I hear you on that front. Uh, but another thing that you mentioned uh, was just the idea that, um, you know, sometimes having these conversations can be difficult. And I, I, you know, of course it can be when there's a, you know, affluence and significant assets at play, they can be difficult conversations, but at the end of the day, you would hit the nail on the head. They can be fun. It's about getting back to the family values, getting back to what matters most and what the wealth can really achieve for, for not just each individual member of the family, but the family as a whole. So that being said, in terms of those conversations, Bob, that you're having with the clients, 
who is my next question? Who from a given family should be involved in these, you know, high level discussions about defining some of the issues that matter to the family? And then, you know, who from the family should kind of carry that process forward into the actual creation and drafting of the document? It, would you say it's, you know, mainly a matriarch or patriarch or, or would you say that maybe there should be some others involved in that? Oh, yeah, no, no, the, the, the family should all, all be involved in this. But let me just back up just a, a little bit to that. Um, one of the things that you just said, which I totally agree with, is there can be conflicts that arise. And there could be children that have different opinions on, on what should happen. And, and perhaps they're not happy. Well, that actually is a good thing because they can express those things now. And the planning then could be made uh, to compensate them what they will or to allow them to follow their own dream and move on in their own direction. And those things can be planned for and we can use years and decades to do that planning ahead as opposed to having those things all happen um, shortly after a funeral. And so in terms of who should be at, who should be at that meeting, uh, first of all, that by the way, that's the reason we want to have a professional facilitator involved uh, to help run the meeting because they have the skill set, the empathy, the, the, the skills to make sure that everybody is heard and everyone's opinion is valued. Uh, but beyond that, any the immediate family, however that's defined, certainly you would think parents, children, potentially grandchildren would be involved. And again, the definition of family seems to be fungible these days, these days in our uh, in social, economic, and uh, uh, environment that that we're that we're working in, uh, but anybody that has a vested interest, anybody who has an interest in the and the success and the continuation of the family and their values should be involved in that. And of course, we leave that up to their clients who should be involved, whether sibling of somebody should be in, of of somebody should be involved or a, an uncle, a cousin. It's it's completely up to the family, but certainly we would want that core nuclear family to be present for this for this meeting. Roger that. And Bob, one thing that you had, you had mentioned it earlier, but I did want to, you know, make sure that we took a, a moment to acknowledge this. And that's, that's talk to me about how formal these constitutions are. Are they legal binding documents or is, are we mainly talking about a, a real, you know, set of guidelines, principles, recommendations here? Uh, no, they are absolutely not legal binding documents, but they're formal in the sense that they're in writing. Uh, they represent the dreams, the wishes, the goals, the values of the family itself. And by the way, is very and this is a very important point. These are not static plans. You don't create one, put it in a drawer, and look at it again in uh, 20 years from now. This is something the situations change. Children are born. Uh, children take um, you know the kids take different life paths. You know many things can happen. Uh, from the time this was originally created. So it is something that's more dynamic and something that needs to be reviewed periodically to make sure they still express the, the wishes of the family. I am so glad you, that was literally my next question was, you know, how often these, these should be revisited? I, I guess more so, Bob, when we're talking about the creation of this document, that's one conversation. But when it comes to maintaining it over time, making sure that, uh, you know, goals, aspirations, because they're going to get 
they're going to change as well as life unfolds for you. Who would you say that families can turn to for help with all of this? Not just obviously from the process of creation, but the process of maintaining that over time so that it remains relevant to the circumstances at play for a, for a given family. Well, I, listen, at the risk of sounding self-serving, and I hope I'm not, but this is part of the uh, this is part of the wealth management formula that we employ here at Oswego Private Wealth. Uh, as we meet with our clients periodically, uh, this is a document that we're not going to pull out at every meeting, but we're going to we're going to check check off whether or not anything has changed in their in their life situation, their family situation, and then as appropriate, uh, we could go years without needing to take a hard look at it, other than discuss it briefly in some, in some, our meetings, our periodic meetings, uh, or perhaps it needs to be looked at relatively soon after the initial document based on the dynamics of the family. Uh, so there's no hard and fast answer to that in terms of timing, other than we have it in our files, we have it on our checklist to talk about it at review meetings, and uh, we'll dig into it as needed, but we'll make sure it's always um, in, our, in our vision and we're um, at front of mind to discuss. Sure. Good to know. And Bob, for kind of, you know, my final question, if you will, as we wrap it up, I think it'd be helpful. You know, we've talked about some of the ins and outs of this. We described really what the document is kind of towards the beginning of our episode today. But if you could for us, maybe in closing, uh, just kind of bottom line, some of the key reasons why affluent families should be considering this this strategy and just kind of a, you know, a, a final a final thought that, you know, food for thought, if anything, that we're going to leave our audience with today. Sure. Well, number one is legacy, and it memorializes the values and the aspirations of the family. And again, it commits it, and it commits it to writing, so there's no ambiguity, and that in fact creates an accountability. So again, I said earlier, in the absence of information, everybody writes their own narrative. Um, the narrative is written. And so there is no absence of information. These things have been thoughtfully planned, thought and considered and committed to paper. And it, and it creates that accountability. And then it's so important just to emphasize yet once again, there is the flexibility for change as situations change. Well, Bob, one actually one final bonus question, if you will. Let's say somebody out there in our audience, you know, this conversation's really resonating with them. Maybe they're they're approaching a point in their lives that this would make all the sense in the world to to get something like this underway. How would you say would be the best way somebody could reach out to you and your team at Oswego Private Wealth to maybe just have a further conversation about whether or not this applies to them in their world, how it could apply? What would be the best way they can get in touch with you and your team? Well, again, I'm not sure where anybody might be watching this. We have, you know, various and sundry places where this this is posted. Um, but if you're watching this on our website, or even if you're not, I would direct you to our website, uh, OswegoPrivateWealth.com. And on the website, you can, in fact, download the white paper that we've created on the, on the Constitution. And you can use that. It's good reading. It's only six pages, so it's not too onerous. And then, of course, you have an ability to reach out to us to set up an initial phone meeting, Zoom meeting, and uh, let's get acquainted. And, of, of course, from the website, you could always call our office and uh, tell us a little bit about your situation and uh, be delighted to speak to you. 
Fantastic. Well, Bob, look, we really appreciate you carving some time out of your busy day. Be with us on the show, kind of peel back the curtain on this family constitution strategy, uh, which a little teaser for our audience is going to play beautifully into our next conversation. We're going to be diving deep into the heart uh, of really preparing heirs for their inheritance. So yes, while the family constitution kind of sets that process up, we're going to be diving into what that process of preparing heirs really looks like for, for Bob and his team, as well as for you and your family. Uh, in our next upcoming episode. So be sure to tune into that one. But Bob, appreciate you being here with us today. We'll let you, you know, get on your busy way. But uh, thank you again. Looking forward to having you back. Thank you. Appreciate it. Alrighty, and look, hey, we want to take one final moment, as always, to thank you guys, our audience, right, for jumping aboard and being with us on the conversation today. If you liked what you saw, you liked what you heard, maybe you benefited from any bit of today's conversation, do us a favor, like the show, comment on it, subscribe to it on whichever platform that you're checking us out on today, and then, of course, share this information with friends, family, business owners, anybody that you believe these types of conversations would be beneficial to, because at the end of the day, you know, we're taking the same conversations that Bob is having with his clients on a regular basis at Oswego Private Wealth, and we're bringing them right to you. Those same conversations, those same tips, strategies, solutions, you name it. We've got a lot of great stuff teed up for you in some episodes to come that we would hate to have you miss out on. So be sure to head on over to the OswegoPrivateWealth.com for updates on you know new episodes and new content that'll be available here soon. So for Mr. Bob Madritus, I'm Ryan Ruff. We're going to go ahead and say so long today, but we appreciate you one final time for being with us on today's installment of Lessons by the Lake. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. No strategy assures success or protects against loss.